Taste sorry. All right, so I'm Jeff McCoy. I'm here with Cass Grala. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. So the past year and a half or so for you has been pretty pretty crazy, huh? You went from small town Massachusetts guy to, you know, you win the biggest truck race of the year, and now you're racing Xfinity cars, and then in a ride, out of a ride, and now in a new ride. So how are you adapting to Fury? <laughs> Uh, well, I feel like we, we've adapted good so far, not only myself to the team, but the team to the series, because uh, most of the guys on the team have, have been at this level in the past, but not all together in this setting before. So it, it is technically a brand new organization, and um, out of six races so far, we've already got three top tens and a top five. Um, and one of those races, we had a mechanical failure, so you never know how that one would have gone. So I, I feel like our, our record so far has been pretty good, and we had a little extra time to work on this New Hampshire car with uh, missing Kentucky last week. So hopefully this one will be our uh, our best piece yet. Right, hopefully so. You can take that to Victory Lane. And speaking of Victory Lane, the truck race last year, you were running, what was it, seventh? And a truck was all of a sudden over your hood, and then you're, you're leading the pack. So I imagine everyone asks, you know, what's it feel like to be in front? But what's, what is it that's going through your mind? Are there any, any thoughts or all? Is it just blank? Oh, why is there no one in front of me? Well, I mean, when everything starts going wrong ahead, really, you don't even have time to think about anything. It's pretty much just instinct from there trying to miss the wreck. And sometimes you come out on the right end of that, sometimes you don't. But in that case, we did. And, uh, of course, when they start wrecking, all you see ahead is smoke for the most part. So when I cleared through the smoke, there was no one aside of me, no one in front of me. I could see clear to turn three, and I look in my mirror and still see smoke, but I see a couple other guys come out behind me. I'm like well, I guess that means I'm the first guy to make it out. Um, and then the spotter came on the radio and said, you just won the race. Uh, and I couldn't believe it. I mean, definitely didn't think in my first trip to Daytona that that was going to be possible. But um, I was pretty excited, uh, obviously, once it did. And, and it took probably a week or two until the reality of that really set in. But that, that was a good uh, good way to start the 2017 season. Right, and then you, you stayed in that truck ride. What? What was the moment that got you into the Xfinity car? Were you talking with them at the beginning of the year after your win, or was it just a call on the offseason, hey, we got a ride, we want you to come fill it? Uh, kind of a combination. I mean, uh, I guess what caught the, the team owner's eye, who I started the season with in Xfinity, was the win at Daytona. He's a, a huge plate racing fan, so that really got him excited, and he said, well, I've got a car next year, I want to put someone in it. Let's make it happen together. And so that, that really started happening about early November. And so by Homestead in the truck at the end of the season, um, we, we had a pretty firm plan of what we were going to be doing. Of course, that was only the first 10 races, and then things kind of fell apart from there. But it was a great way to, to get my feet wet in the series and to give me that, that stepping stone to make it into Xfinity. Right, and you're doing a great job there so far. Like you said, the past couple of races, the top five, the top tens, and the only thing hindering you was a mechanical failure. So... Yeah, it's it's been quite a year. Um, what was it that caused the the last team to fall through? Was it just the team wasn't working well together, or no? I mean, the uh, the team owner was paying most of the the bill for the season, and um, unfortunately, he he came down with some health problems, so he wasn't able to continue funding it. And then uh, shortly thereafter, the the second car in the team also shut down. So um, that's that's no longer a team in the series, and you hate to see that because. I mean, car count's important. It's good to have teams in the sport, and especially for, for Mr. Whitener, the owner, and he, 
he funded me the beginning part of this year, so, I mean, you never want to see someone get sick. So that was unfortunate, but um, we were lucky enough to, to be able to land on our feet to, to some extent with Fury Race Cars afterwards. Right, and that's what I've noticed on social media. You're always, you know, very... You're you're real you're realistic, but at the same time you have a positive tone, and I see it's carrying through in a one-on-one interview. So, you're you're actually a bit of a hometown hero. I grew up uh, right next to Springfield, and um, so in New England, where it's nothing but modified racing. How'd you find yourself in a stock car at New Hampshire Motor Speedway? I know, ironically, and I've never actually driven a modified before. <laughs> um, so I started out at, at F1 Boston in Braintree, go-karting, and did that for years. But um, eventually I, I started traveling down south and, and doing some oval racing, and that's kind of what set me on more of the NASCAR path. Um, and, and from there I've, I've gone up more of the traditional route, uh, so to speak, up the ladder of NASCAR, but um, it's it's definitely an unlikely path to end up on from, from Boston, Massachusetts. It, you don't see that too often. Right, not many, not too many people from Boston. You have Joey Logano from Middletown, but other than that, it's pretty much people grew up in Indiana or down south and everything else, so you've done a great job finding your way uh, through there. We're actually doing this interview in the hallway leading to a bathroom, and it sounds like it's falling apart around <laughs> us, but... Um, what races are you looking forward to most this season? Well, right now our, our schedule is a little bit unclear, but we're really hoping to do these road course races coming up next month. That's that's my favorite kind of racing, and I did well in the truck race on the road course last year, came close to winning it. So I'd, I'd really love to, to get out there in at least some of the road courses this year in Xfinity and, and see what we can do. Not only because I feel like we'd have success, but because it's just so much fun for me. Right, and I imagine the future plans are to hopefully end up in a cup car and everything else, but there's a lot of talk about more road courses being added to the cup series with testing at the Roval and that being part of the playoffs right away. So what are your thoughts on more road courses being added to the cup series when pretty much everyone's perspective of NASCAR is go fast and turn left? <laughs> well, I think I think adding some road courses are, would be a great idea because I know the fans love watching it. Oftentimes the road course races are the highest uh, reviewed races by the fans each year. Um, and I guess, yeah, it would kind of help with the you only know how to turn left uh, <laughs> mentality, which is definitely not the case. Um, so I, and, I, and I know the drivers enjoy it, too. I mean, some of the drivers who, who grew up on short tracks and aren't as used to road courses are not the biggest fans of them. But I think as a whole, the, the series, for the most part, does, does enjoy going to road courses. So I think it'd be a good move. It'd, it'd make for some exciting races, and, and it could change the image of NASCAR a little bit. Absolutely, and you know, people have their own views of the sport. A lot of people say, "Oh, it's you know going downhill and everything else." But you know, I think the viewership is just fluctuating. It's like three percent difference in the past couple of years, and that's it. So, do you do you think uh, it's the media that's blowing problems out of proportion? That was uh, Joey Logano earlier statement with another news source. He said. Uh, it was actually a TV news station. He said, well, yeah, you guys blow everything up out of proportion. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I do think some of it's blown out of proportion. And I think part of it is everyone worrying about just NASCAR when in reality, I mean, nowadays with Netflix and video games, I mean, there, there's and there's thousands of TV channels, too. I mean, I think fewer people are watching any individual channel. Um, but, but I definitely think that NASCAR is safe long-term just for the the sheer fact of everyone loves big, fast, high-horsepower cars. And that will never change. 
So it's going to be around in whatever capacity forever because people just love it. And so, I mean, if it has to adapt or change over time, then that's part of growing the sport. But um, I, I think it's, it's pretty safe uh, as far as I'm concerned. Well, hopefully, I mean, that's it's what keeps me doing what I love and hopefully where I end up as well. I'm looking to work for one of the teams. I was actually talking with William Byron earlier, and one of the things that he said was, well, you know, I didn't get in a car until I was 13, or uh, until then I was doing just iRacing stuff. So how much does virtual training and all that impact your day-to-day life with getting ready for each weekend's race? Uh, to some extent, it does help. I mean, it helps you get a feel for the track. Uh, particularly, I find on dirt and road courses, uh, ovals are a little bit hard simply because you drive an oval 100% by feel. And as virtual uh, reality is getting better and better, you still can't quite feel the car like like you can in real life. So the ovals are a little bit hard, the pavement ovals, that is. Um, but, but you can really use racing online to, to train you, particularly in racing instincts, because every decision that you make on track has to be made within you know a tenth of a second and you have to get it right every time or it's going to end your race and so the more scenarios you see laid out in front of you the the more kind of background information your brain has to pull from when you're in a situation and it needs to decide what to do so i think it's a good training tool for drivers interesting so i i've only got a couple more questions i won't take up too much of your day but um, Stewart House Racing is actually taking some of their crew members off from last week after complaints from mainly Clint Boyer, pulling their crew members off and putting new guys in. So, what do, I guess what are your thoughts? I know you can't speak on their behalf, but what are your thoughts on teams, you know, the crew members just being almost seen as expendable where they're, you know, they make a mistake, they're out, they're sent to what's seen as a lower-grade satellite team, and then they bring other guys up for that when we were talking earlier about team cohesion and how important it is. I think team cohesion is key, in, and I've said it a million times, and I'll never stop saying it. This sport is not about cars, it's about people, because the people are the ones that have to build these cars and make them go fast, and the people have to be motivated to, to put in the work necessary to make that happen. So at the end of the day, it's all about people and as the driver, you do kind of play a bit of like a psychiatrist in trying to keep everybody happy and in working in the same direction. Because if you get one guy that's that's not loving his job at this moment, that really is going to impact the entire team's performance that weekend. So um, I can't speak or, or don't know much about that particular instance you're talking about, but I know it is important to keep everybody happy and working together. Right. And my last question I ask this to everybody is, what was the first car you ever drove? Like well, a, it depends. Define car. Does that require a roof or fenders? Or <laughs> uh, no, first personal car you drove. <laughs> okay, on the street. Um, would have been a Ford Raptor. That I got that right when I got my license. Really? Is there any interesting stories about that? I remember Corey LaJoy was telling me about uh, 1972... Uh, I forget what it was, but he had a Nintendo 64 in the backseat, and he would pick up chicks <laughs> by saying, hey, you want to go play Mario Kart? And then whip out the controller. That's so, so funny. <laughs> um, no, nothing quite that good, I wish, but a Ford Raptor had always been my, my dream car, or I should say dream truck, um, growing up, and so uh, that was the first thing I wanted, for sure, and I was, I was so excited to have it. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, hey, I appreciate your time today. It's been great.